This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Welcome into another episode of the A-List podcast. I'm joined by Gary Washburn and H. Rob Blakely. I'm Kwani A. Lunis. And some disappointing news for Celtics fans. They fell in that first game against the Milwaukee Bucks. What was your instant reactions to that blowout game? Well, <laughs> to, to, to quote Gary Washburn, um, the Celtics just got their ass kicked. I mean, I, I, we, we, we're going to go around and around about what happened, but that's really what happened. They just got their ass kicked. Milwaukee was a tougher team. Milwaukee was a more physical team. Milwaukee was a hungrier team. They did all the things that you're supposed to do in the playoffs, the things that we've seen the Celtics do to other teams, the things the Celtics did with ease against Brooklyn. I, I think more than anything, it was a wake-up call for Boston that, you know what, I know you got an idea what the playoffs are about, but look, this ain't no typical playoff team. This is a defending NBA champions, team that has been below the radar all season long. They're going to come out with a, a significant amount of fighting, and they did just that. I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo didn't have a great game, and yet he still dropped a triple-double. 24 points, 13 rebounds, 12 assists. They need to figure out a lot of things with trying to limit his impact being among them. But the bottom line at the end of the day is they got their ass is kicked. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I think it was um, a situation where they lost the game late in that first quarter. They, they seem to have things under control. Obviously, the first eight minutes of the game really can't, you know, give you a lot. But they play – I thought they got off to a good start. They were up 24-17, I think 22-14. to Like, they took, you know, Milwaukee's punch. And Milwaukee kind of slowly felt its way to the game. But I thought what lost in the game was not scoring for the last two and a half minutes of the first quarter and then not scoring for, like, like the last two and a half minutes of the second quarter. Like, those empty quarters that we used to see that they just go – they play a really good nine minutes of a quarter, and then the last three, they get outscored 10 nothing, And that's – you can't have that in the playoffs. You've got to figure out a way to get the ball in the bucket. I thought they gave Brooke Lopez way too much damn respect. This mm-hmm. is not Will Chamberlain out here. I think Brooke Lopez is a good player, but he is not Akeem. He is not Dwight Howard in his prime. He's a good quality center. Challenge him. If he's going to get six blocks, make him get six blocks, but don't go up there like, you know, you're going to see the boogeyman, you know, stop it. Like, and I just thought that they really, after a first couple of possessions and he did get some blocks on, they was like, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to test Brooke. Like, no, I'm not saying Brooke's a bad, Brooke's a good player, has a solid NBA career. He's never been an all-star. Okay. He's bounced around. He's found a home in Milwaukee. So this is not a guy who's going to the hall of fame. This is a guy who's a quality, above-average NBA center who can stretch the floor, but he is not – quit treating him too much respect. Take your respect. I thought they were intimidated by Brooke Lopez. They tried hard against Giannis, but to put too much emphasis that one play where Marcus Smart helps out on Giannis and leaves Grayson Allen wide the hell open. It's like, no, Marcus. Like, if Giannis does the spin turn and hits a 16-footer, let him do that. As long as he doesn't get to the rim and get the and one or hit the three, he's not going to hit, generally going to hit threes. But you can't leave Connaughton, Allen, uh, Portis, and even Drew Holiday open for threes 
And because you're trying to, and Giannis is good enough now to make that pass. So I just thought they got taught a real lesson. And I'm concerned. I was concerned before. I'm really concerned because they're playing, like, like Sherrod said, a team with championship DNA. Even without Chris Middleton, those dudes stepped up, the Connaughtons, the Portises in his place and hit shots and made it, made it tough on the Celtics. And the Celtics are not going to ever win a playoff game unless this is 1984, scoring in 89 points. Or sorry, 1994, scoring 89 points. Like, is this not going to happen? The defense, I thought, was okay. The offense was straight-up terrible, and they got to fix it. Yeah, I'm glad you I'm, I'm glad you made that 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 addendum and said 94 because we got to make sure Quan, we at least got Quanti age. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, at least, you know, more than just a twinkle in the daddy eye, you know? Right. So I appreciate yeah. that, Gary. No, but you also brought up a good point. You said this in your column, Gary, how the Celtics really look like that December team that everyone was worried about. They just fell apart. You had Jalen and Jason combining for 32.2% on shooting, which was just embarrassing. So what do you think they need to do? And how can they really open up those two to be able to shoot better for game two? I mean, they had 10 shots made and 10 turnovers. Cannot happen again. Cannot happen again. Jalen tried to get going from the three, missed, I think, his first four or five, and then suddenly then he tried to dribble drive into traffic and they ripped him. The scouting report on Jalen says if he dribbled into the traffic, strip the ball. I mean, we've seen that, right? I mean, we've seen that. Um, he can't turn the ball over like that. There, you know, and then there was it was just plays that they weren't aggressive. Like Robert Williams turned around and had like a like a sure one-handed jam. He tried to lay it in. Brooke Lopez just, just swatted away easy. Yeah. Like Robert, no man, stuff it down his throat. Like I just think they gave those dudes way too much respect. They gave they took too many damn three pointers, fifty out of their eighty four shots. They're afraid to take twos, and you know they just they they got to come up with something. Milwaukee Budenholzer came up with like a let's hey let's get them out of their sets by by pressuring up court. Let's throw a wrinkle. What's Eme's wrinkle? We have to see it. You know, um, and, they, and they've got to they've got to do better. They've got to do better. I, I thought that they had their chances. They were still down by six in the third quarter, but every time they try to do something, Milwaukee counter. Yeah, the, the, to me, the, the the big, the biggest problem because they got a few, but the biggest problem is the fear that they show when they get into the paint. Like they look scared to shoot. Anytime they get into the paint, I mean, it's it's like watching it's like watching that the oh and Gary Corny, maybe you know this one too. Ghetto Boys, mind playing tricks on me. That video where every where they're seeing things that aren't there, that was the Celtics in Game One. They're seeing stuff at the rim that ain't there. They're acting as if Brook Lopez is like Brook Lopez is times three. That there are three bodies in there instead of one who's an average defender. They have to play but like they know how to play. He must have been six or seven feet. <laughs> Like my man Bushwick Bill said. You know what I'm saying? Bush, so Bushwick Bill said about Brooke Lopez. Oh, my God. Gary, I can't. I, I, I can't. This is this is why today is Sherrod Blakely hates Gary. Because Gary. That's the name of the episode. He's twisting and contorting it. 
The point, Gary, is that the the point is that the Celtics are acting as if they're seeing things that aren't really there. They're acting as if there's this wall defensively there that doesn't exist. Their minds are literally playing tricks on them. They need to get back and do what they do best. I mean, dunk on somebody, finish at the rim, force the officials to make those tough calls, but do something other than just drive and kick to a guy in the corner who and give I give Milwaukee a lot of credit. They've done a really good job of rotating once the Celtics drive and kick. Guys are are not having as open looks as they got in the Brooklyn series because Milwaukee is a better team defensively. The Celtics have to do what they do best, and that is attack, finish at the rim, draw contact, do something to put their imprint on this game instead of kind of playing back and hoping that guys will knock down shots. And if officiating, officiating was an issue for Celtics fans, they were booing the refs at one point, but to what you just said, if that's the situation, if you're not going to get the calls, you might as well just bully back and make the call worth it. And that's yeah. what they failed to do as well. Yeah, they just, I mean, they just have to play smarter basketball and, and stop act, and stop playing scared. I mean, they, I don't care what they, how they describe it. They play scared. They dribble driving in the paint. They see Brooke Lopez coming. They see Giannis coming from somewhere. They're immediately looking to kick it out to someone. Um, forget that. If you're in, or here's, here's, here's a thought, here's a thought. Instead of getting all the way to the rim, how about just pulling up at the free throw line and just knocking out a little mid-range shot? That's something that we saw Drew Holiday do multiple times in game one. If you are so concerned about you getting your shot blocked, then knock down that mid-range jump shot. That's the shot that people have used to just be pulling their hair out that Jason Tatum took. But this is the series where that particular skill set could very well be the difference between them winning this series or going down 0-2 where the chances of winning it at that point are slim to none. There are obviously a lot of adjustments that need to be made as a result of that performance, but what do you think needs to be changed for game two? Who needs to step up? They just got to come out with more fire. Two, they got to adjust their defense. Like they can't do the like, Giannis went nine. They did a good job on Giannis. He went nine for 25. Okay. He missed 16 shots. Like he was uncomfortable. He wasn't just killing them. That's great. You can't let the rest of the dudes shoot over 50%. You know, Bobby Porter was very good. Grayson Allen hit four threes. Like, they all their supporting cast stepped up. And then you can't let Drew Holiday dictate the pace of the game. He dictated defensively. I thought, personally, he was the best player on the floor. Not because he scored the most points. He had control of the game. But he had control of the game. He controlled it defensively. He controlled it offensively. He hit every big shot, every big three, every big, you know, he just was so clutch. And the Celtics have to do something. They have to do something to contain him. Like they can't just let him just, you know, roam around, shoot, you know, stop you defensively. I mean, and he was only eight for 20, but three for five from the three, nine rebounds, five assists, three steals. He filled up the stat sheet, right? I mean, Grayson Allen hit three threes. You know, Connaughton hit two. Javon Carter had some real – Javon Carter was a plus 25 in his 21 minutes. That's crazy. I mean, Brooke Lopez, he had three blocks in 28 minutes. To me, that's okay. He's going to block three shots. Go at him ten more times. Make him block seven. I mean, the fact is that they didn't do – they didn't work nearly as aggressive. they got to be aggressive. They've got to bring the ball at the court and, and – and, you know, get rid of that, you know, don't allow themselves to get pressed. And in, in, in they made 
two offensive fouls trying to set screens in the backcourt, um, you know, for to, to get the ball just across the timeline. Like they've got to be more efficient. And they were in the game. It only let they only got away from it in the last six minutes. They were yeah. in the game, the entire game, pretty much. You know, it was 12, 8, 6, 12, 8, 6. Like it wasn't like they were down 25. Like they played a terrible game. And they still had a chance if they had gotten some shots. But they've just got to be overall better. Peyton Pritchard, two for eight from the three. Like, he he was a minus 17 in his 11 minutes. Grant Williams, minus 15. Like, Derek White looked frazzled out there. I mean, he had a couple threes, but he just did not look comfortable. Like, Robert Williams, you know, looked okay, but just seemed a little bit intimidated by Brooke Lopez's presence. Like, they've all got to play better. And it starts with Jason and Jalen, 10 for 31, you know, 7 for 18 from three. They went to the free throw line and combined 10 times. I mean, no, no, they got to be better. And they, I think they will be better. But the, the million-dollar question is, will it be enough to win? Uh, and, and that's where Milwaukee, I think, presents a different kind of challenge because they both Jason and Jalen can play better and they can still lose. It would not be a surprise to see that happen. And that that's what that's what happens when you get deeper into the postseason. The, the, the chances of you winning uh, are much greater in terms of them being challenged because you're playing better teams. You're playing teams that know how to win. Teams that know how to win ugly. Uh, Milwaukee, I mean, they'll certainly go back and they'll look at that game win and look at some of the things they could have done better. Uh, particularly when you look at Giannis didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Uh, and even though they, they did some good things around the paint, it wasn't as if they were able to just absolutely crush the Celtics with their offensive firepower and things like that. They made the shots that had to be made when they had to be made. And that was the big difference in, in that game. And, and if you're the Celtics, that has to be uh, concerned to you. The fact that you didn't play a great game and they didn't either. And yet they still beat you by double digits. So I, my my, if I'm the Celtics, my biggest the one thing I absolutely have to do, uh, just from the jump is attack them. Uh, you need to be active. You need to be engaged. You need to be on just full blown. We going to the cup, and we're gonna force them to defend us. We're gonna force them to, to if they can defend us without fouling, we're gonna put that to the test. Uh, and I do believe, and, and we've seen this time and time again, over the course of a game, if there's one team that's aggressively getting to the rim and attacking eventually the calls are going to go their way. Eventually they're going to get the benefit of a friendly whistle. They're going to be able to do some things that otherwise they might get called fouls on that won't get called. And I, I thought, again, I, I, Milwaukee, I thought it was brilliant strategy for them to full court press from the very beginning. The officials were very hesitant to call their guys for fouls, even though when you go back and look at the tape, they were following the hell out of the Celtics guards. I mean, Grayson Allen had damn chicken. I mean, had had the forearm shiver all up in, in Marcus Smart's guts multiple times. And Marcus, you know, as we know, didn't like that and swiped his hand a couple of times. And that's exactly what you wanted to happen in Milwaukee. You want him to think about getting this man off of him as opposed to running whatever set he's supposed to do. And so, Boston, you have to be that team. Milwaukee just showed you the blueprint of how you can win in this series. Uh, is is are you up to the challenge? of replicating that for your own team, or are you just going to play what we saw in game one? Which if you do, that will be a second L because Milwaukee is not going to get any worse if you don't make them. Do you think having this, that sweep against Brooklyn maybe 
had them to believe that they could come into this Milwaukee C- C- series with a little more ease than they did? I don't think so. I think the bigger problem with, with sweeping Brooklyn is they never really got a full sense of just how hard it is to win in this in the playoffs because the first game was that was Brooklyn's golden moment that was Brooklyn's best chance of stealing one and Brooklyn did enough to position themselves to win that game they just basically they fell asleep at the will at the most inopportune moment of the game and lost so the Celtics haven't really been pushed the way they were by Milwaukee and to Milwaukee's credit Every time the Celtics seemed to be kind of getting into flow, like I think Tatum had a couple of moments where he made back-to-back shots, they were able to counter with their own basket. And that's what has separated Boston from Milwaukee thus far. The ability to have a moment where you're starting to gain some momentum and build on that. Milwaukee did a great job of just stymieing that momentum every opportunity they got. So um, I think it definitely put them in a – it didn't – it didn't toughen them up enough for this series. Um, but after getting their ass kicked in game one, you would think that would, yeah. that should, but we'll see. And from a coaching perspective, oh, Gary. No, go ahead. No, I was just curious also that related to that from a coaching perspective, this is obviously also Ime Udoka's first loss in the playoffs. So what adjustments does he have to make as a coach as he heads into game two? I just think he's got to come up with a plan to counter what Milwaukee's doing. I mean, Mike Budenholzer, as many shots as he's taken about, you know, playing Giannis, uh, you know, too long, too much or not enough, or some of the things he's taken over the years is not being, let's say, a top three coach. He's still a great He's coach. not. He's not a top three coach, though. Thank he just has know. the best player in the world right now. Yes. Right? So. As much as he, as he takes, he's a good strategist. He's a coach. Okay, he's a top 10 coach. He's not a top three, but top 10. So you can't come up with no sloppy game plan and expect to beat the Bucs. The Bucs had a few days off after beating Chicago. They know they're not going to have Chris Middleton. They prepared. They're physical. They're tough. The Celtics did not get prepared that way by playing Brooklyn. Brooklyn has a very soft defense. Brooklyn didn't accentuate their strengths. Brooklyn just said, hey, hey KD, hey, Kyrie, make shots keep us in the game. That didn't work. If you're the Celtics, you have to make, you may have to make some adjustments, throw some wrinkles in there. You know, if it's like, honestly, throwing Sam Hauser out there for a few to stretch the floor because he can shoot and and make like, you gotta, you gotta use all your bullets here. Like this is the Eastern Conference. This is like the conference finals, the NBA finals here. Like it might not get no tougher. Okay. You name, give me a team that you think is tougher than Milwaukee. You think Miami is? Yeah. Okay, Miami might be tougher physically. Like yeah. they punked themselves a couple years ago in a bubble, but Milwaukee's the defending champs with yeah. the best player on the earth. Okay, uh, Phoenix. Yeah, maybe Golden State. Uh, Memphis. Like, give me a team you think is tougher than Milwaukee. Like, there probably ain't. So. You got to pull out all the stops. You got to empty the clip. You have to do whatever it takes. I'm not talking about throw some crazy stuff out there and throw Malik Fitz out there. I'm not talking about just do something, you know. But <laughs> rash, it, no rash decision. Yeah, you've got to put guys right. in to succeed. If guys aren't getting it done, if 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 Derek White's still jittery, like you got, you might have to make some changes. You might have to give. You might have to play some. Like Daniel Tice played five minutes. I don't know why. Like he played five minutes 
the other night in game one. Um, you know, I know that now Robert's back, but, you know, and let's, and, and, and I don't know, I'm sure Quan will touch on this, like, Marcus Smart's questionable for game two. Like, he's beat up. You, you're not going to get 100% Marcus. Somebody got to come through and hit some shots. Jason's got to play playmaker. Jason's got to stop bitching at officials, doing this, oh, I got fouled. Oh, man, damn, man. I got... Stop that. Get down the floor and play defense. Jalen getting too cute with his dribble. That's stuff that Ime can't do. Like, that's on the players. But strategy-wise, like, Ime got his ass out coached in game one. The full-court press, the stretching the floor, all that. Ime got his ass whooped, and he got to respond. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. It was it was definitely uh, – it was kind of a, a role reversal, if you will, from the first-round series where it was Steve Nash who got thoroughly outcoached. Uh, and, and, but the, the good thing that I think Ime has going for him is he's got the kind of personnel where he can make some tweaks and changes that could potentially work, whereas Brooklyn, they had no shot. Uh, when, when, when all they had was Kyrie – and KD and a bunch of, and Bruce Brown, and that was it. Celtics have more options that they can turn to to get better play and and make this a a competitive series. But, you know, the the one thing about the the Celtics that, that as I think about this series more and more, I'm looking at the matchups. I almost wonder if they're, they're comfortable having come this far because very few thought they would get this far. Are they at a point in this series where it's like, you know what? They are the defending champs, and we've had a great season. If our season ended right now, no one would look at us and be disappointed because we won 51 games. We had a number two seed. It's our first year working with Eme. There's a lot of positives that people will immediately draw upon if their season ended now. And I'm just wondering, are they still hungry to keep winning? Are they still thirsty to keep going forward? And to your point, Gary, if you don't have Marcus Smart out there or have him at a significantly diminished state, how what's the trickle down effect to that? Um, do you go? Do you throw in a guy like Neesmith, who you know is a bowler in China shop, who's going to just be running all over and knocking people out? You might because just just to get some energy on the floor, you just might go that route. Uh, are you going to find ways to get Tatum the ball? Maybe you know instead of him just kind of ISO trying to beat guys off the dribble, maybe get a pin down for him where he's got got the ball in the block and he gets a switch out of Grayson Allen and just look to shoot over. Finding figuring out what Ime is going to do, I'm, I'm really interested to see because to me. When you talk about who's the most important figure in game two, it's Ime. It's Ime because Ime is he is the chess piece master, right? He's the one that's going to put all the pieces where they need to go. And, and only then will we know whether it's going to work or not. So I'm really interested to see how he's going to respond because this is his first real challenge since the roller coaster smoothed out. You know, he when they weren't winning, it's just like, you know. Okay, they're not winning. He's a first-year coach, blah, 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 yada, yada. But once they got a style of play down pat, and now they got punched in the mouth, how is he going to respond to that? How are they going to respond to that? Is he going – I mean, that to me is why this series is so – now it's interesting. Before it was interesting because you had some good teams, but now when one team clearly got their ass kicked, there was no drama, there was no controversy, there was no last-second buzzer beat. They got their asses whipped. How are they going to respond to that? Great points are made. Hey, my six, what happened, Kwani? Well, you know, <laughs> six, seven, Kwani in the building. I had to make sure my laptop didn't die on you all. But 
Before we even move on, I, I of course always have to give love to our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. We know that the NHL playoffs are about to start. We have good basketball being played. The Kentucky Derby is this weekend, the run to the roses. So that's going to be really exciting. And BetOnline.ag, they're your go-to source to bet on all of the games that you're interested in putting some money down on. So if you haven't already, you can use that promo code that we always tell you about. What is it, Sherrod? You should know it by now. CLNS50, baby. Yes, it's that simple. Use that welcome bonus to sign up and make some money. Bet online, they're where the game starts. So hopefully, you if you haven't already, you'll sign up and use that promo code. Like Sherrod loves to. to I love money. making money. <laughs> I love making money. But we talked about officiating. That's one thing I do want to touch upon a little bit. And as we saw in game one with the Warriors and the Grizzlies, that's been playing a huge role in the way that these series are panning out and obviously the way that fans are receiving the game. So what is that fine line for players of being able to be vocal? I don't think there's really a lot of accountability when you look at the way that the officiating has gone. Draymond Green gets called for a flagrant two. You have players on Twitter tweeting, this doesn't make any sense. Nobody understands what's going on but there's still this level of just having to play through it what do you guys think that players need to do when it comes to just ignoring the officiating and keep playing like it's frustrating but you just gotta play you gotta adapt every game is is an isolated entity in itself every game is going to be officiated somewhat differently you have to adapt and you have to adapt on the fly i get it i mean draymond green when he got tossed that wasn't because of what he did it's because it was a reputation toss um it's kind of like you know if you go to the car dealership and then you don't your credit score ain't exactly good enough for you to get that car it's not about what happened that moment it's about what you what happened in your past that's affecting your present that's what's happening to Draymond Green. He has a bad credit score in the eyes of these officials. And when he's when he does something that doesn't seem like, oh, it shouldn't be that big a deal. It shouldn't be that difficult. Tech, tech, you're gone. Right. Was it was it right? No. Did he deserve it? Absolutely not. But do you understand it? If you are a fan, if you are a player, if you're Draymond, you do understand it. That's why he went and did an emergency podcast right, right after he, the game. He was accountable. He understood that his reputation was the reason. Absolutely, why. absolutely. And, and shout out to Draymond for having the equipment ready to pop in. I was, I was like, okay, he. Welcome to the team. Welcome to, I've become to the- a big Draymond fan as a result of the one, the way he analyzes the game. I think he's able to take himself out of situations and just look at basketball for what it is, which I admire for a current player to be able to right. dabble in this media world as well. But the problem for him is that he's been involved in so many situations in the yeah. game that even when he extracts himself, they're still looking at him sideways. But wait a minute. You're still Draymond Green. You're still Draymond Green. Mr. Tech Machine. I mean, you're like, you're, you're this generation's version of Rasheed Wallace when it comes to text. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, what you got, Gary? I mean, I'm just not worried about the officiating. I just think, yeah. you know, these dudes got to play ball. And yeah. I heard the crowd after the officials mm-hmm. yesterday, and there's a couple of calls, a goaltending call mm-hmm. on Giannis. That was couple, close, but still. Yeah. I mean, it was a physical game, and and there was kind of some sarcasm with when the call went for the Celtics' way, like, oh, it's about time. But you can't focus on that. Like Tatum, got to get his mind off. I, I should have got that call. Like you know, he, he he went to the line eight times. You know what I'm saying? Jalen went two. Like you know what? Force him to make calls. 
attack the rim. You know, do I think he probably got fouled five or six more times? Yeah, like there were some times that he went to the rim and Jalen, and it's just like, wow, that like that was clean. Like, you know, I, who knows? Maybe it was. I think the Celtics have to focus on the Bucks and themselves, not let all the outside factors get involved, quit bitching at officials and just play hard, play the game and play it right. And even this series, they got it. This is the biggest game of the season. You don't want to go back to my walking down 0-2 and got to win four out of five. You know, you got to you got to play this game like your life depends on. We also touched upon the injuries. Hopefully, that they are not as bad as they seem to be. But as we know, Marcus left the game twice, and then Robert Williams gets hit in his groin area. There was just like a lot of banging up in this game. So one, what do the Celtics do if Marcus doesn't play in this game, but how do they just protect themselves from getting bullied? If I could just frame the look on Kwani's face when she had to describe Robert Williams' injury, that was priceless. I'm just, but go ahead, Gary. You con- wait, wait, but for context, I had a, a, a taping earlier where I just blatantly said what happened to him. And I was like, can I say that? And then it was just like, it's too late. Like, no. you just but did. Yeah, at this point, I just I tried to keep it PG. <laughs> well, we all felt Robert's pain on that one when he went down. I we did like, not, but I'm sure no, you we didn't. We didn't feel Robert's pain. <laughs> he said, I do not. <laughs> Gary's like, I do not approve. I will not co-sign. No. Give me my pen back. I am not co-signing. His soundbite on Monday, though, after when he said the trainer said that we need to, to look at it. And he's like, look at what? Like. It was just hilarious. You know what? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Gary, yeah, you you answer Kwani's questions first. I'm I'm, I'm I'm how do they avoid getting bullied physically? And what do they do without I just think they got to be tougher and I just think they can't, they just gotta play harder. I mean, Al Horford made a really telling statement. He said they played harder. This Mm -hmm. is a game one of the playoffs. This is a conference semifinals. You got you got a question playing hard. You don't let them. You don't let them come in your place and play harder than you do, in front of a sold out crowd Sunday you afternoon. You got your fans leaving early. You had Brad you had, Stevens leaving had, early. You know, six days off, five days off. Like hell no. There's a level of pride that goes on here. Yeah. And I think they. I said I think their game plan to stop. I think they put way too much of it on stopping Giannis. But that was. I would have done the same thing. I would have. Okay. Let's see if Grace now and go. You know, hit four out of five. Let's see if Pat Connaughton is going to hit four out of five. The fact of the matter is they did. So the question is, what do you do? You have to counter and you have to play a little, adjust a little bit more, not completely do a 180 and then see what happens after that. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, Allen's a 41% three-point shooter, Constance a 39% three-point shooter. Very good three-point shooters there. You know, Wesley Matthews hit one, he's 33%. Like the, the, they don't, other than that, other than that, they don't really have elite shooters. I mean, Middleton's not playing. Drew Holiday, though, my bad, 41%. So they have three 40 plus shooters at three point line. So pick your point. I'm sorry. And Bobby Portis is 39. Like they're a great three point shooting team. Uh, you got to, you got to handle it. Um, but you just can't leave them open. And sometimes I think you're going to have to take your chances. You're going to have to say, okay, Portis, hit five of these joints. You know, okay, Grayson Allen, you know, do something you've never done before. 
because they can shoot. But if not, you let do you let Giannis go for fifty and shut down everybody else? Maybe that's the remedy. That's it, it, it's it, they're a tough team to guard because they can shoot. But I know we, yeah, I know sorry, we focus- but you oh. can't give them too much respect. <laughs> Last night they gave, I mean, they they left Allen alone. They 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 too too much on Giannis and didn't respect their shooters. Respect them, but not too much respect. But get out on them. Give them some kind of put a hand up. <laughs> yeah, just. We've been focused on the Celtics, obviously, because that's what this podcast is about. But I was just curious. These semifinal matchups have been very intriguing. So for the two of you, which has been your favorite? Well, I know most of some haven't even started yet. But what is your favorite series other than having to follow Celtics Bucks? Memphis Golden State is my favorite because yeah. it, to me, it's it's to me, it's championship old versus potential championship new. Yes. Memphis old money, is, new money. Yeah, it's still it's all good though. I mean, it's yeah. all good. That's the beautiful thing about it. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, Memphis is a is a. They just, I love that team. Um, me too. They're, they're young. They gritty. They grind me. Their best player. I mean, he. If you see him jaw out in the street and you didn't know that he was in the NBA and someone said. That's an NBA player. You'd be like, "Word, right? Yeah, yeah. just a real unassuming, unassuming guy." And, and just they got a lot of they got a lot of tough guys. I mean, that's the one thing I love about them, maybe more than any other team. Their t- their level of toughness is, I think, better than any other team from top to bottom in the NBA still playing right now. The thing that they lack is experience. They don't have those battle scars that you get when you're in tough, hard fought playoff series. They're getting them though. They're definitely getting them but they don't have them the way a lot of these other teams have them. And Golden State, you know, Golden State, they, they're in that process of reinventing who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we won two, three chips back in the day, but guess what? We're back. Mm-hmm. And they are obviously still really good, uh, but I think they understand that their window is steadily shrinking and that this is maybe maybe one of the last years that as they're constructed, they're going to be in a title hunt. And again, they, they, to me, they got one of the most exciting players that we don't talk enough about. By we, I mean, national media and Jordan Poole. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, how, how can you not be excited about a cat last name Poole who's rocking with some cats named the Splash Brothers? How could you not be like all on the marketing joint with that? And, and Jordan Poole is nice. He's we, nice. Yes, he he's is. So, he's so good. So good. Go ahead, Gary. <laughs> Bring some hate to the party, because I know that's what you're going to do. <laughs> no. I mean, Memphis is cool, but let's be honest. Them dudes should have lost to Minnesota. Like, Minnesota won five games in that series and lost four to two. Like, Minnesota is the most, like, I mean, it's crazy how many dumb plays they made in the waiting moments of a lot of those games. They should have won that series. They were good enough. They have, it just showed you coaching and discipline, how much that, like, you know, Chris Finch has done a nice job bringing Minnesota, but man, they got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, who's a veteran now, seven, eight years in the league, blowing kisses, like, you know, when after game six and acting like he doesn't want, like, like you played hard to playoff series. Like D'Angelo Russell disappeared. Like, they are a team that you look at the talent, 
And I think that, that the whole concept of stocking draft picks and lottery picks, all these, and put all this talent together, you need coaching. You need veterans. Like, Cat, number one overall pick. Anthony Edwards, number one overall pick. DeAndre Russell, number two overall pick. Like, you know, playoff loss. So I like Memphis. I think they're a nice team. I don't think they stand a chance in this series against the Warriors because of experience. And they should have lost that Minnesota series. Like, if Minnesota had half a brain in the last four minutes of each game, they blew three of the get four losses to Minnesota. <laughs> they literally won six – they won five games in that series and, and lost 42. So the series I'm looking at is Miami and Philly. I want to see Miami, I mean, Philly, how they come out, hard they play, without and beat, how different they look, how yeah. fast they run. Because I, now you're looking at, and I want to see it. I want to see James Harden. James Harden in Miami. I want to go, I want to see James oh, Miami. I want to see Houston. Are you talking during the game or after the game? Because no, after the game, I want, I want to see, see him. I want to see well James. I want to see James Harden three or four days removed from the strip club and all that. I want to see, like, I don't want to see him the night after the strip club or the, like, no, no, no. I want to see well-rested, no South Beach, James Harden in this damn series. This is his legacy on the line, I think, in many cases. Does he still have it left to be Houston James Harden. You like that. James Harden. I, yeah. I think he takes a lot of undue criticism. Not he he deserves a share of criticism, but he's a, a top you. 75 player. And I give him kudos for showing up to the top 75. Even after the trade, he at for his trade to Brooklyn. Westbrook didn't show up. Anthony Davis didn't show up to Cleveland. James Harden, as much as he gets criticized, showed his ass up to Cleveland for that top 75. He appreciates the game. I give him credit for that. I want to see Harden, Maxi. I want to see them dudes run and gun and see if they can push Miami in these first two games and wait for the big man to get back maybe in game three. I'm fascinated by that series. I think Doc's got a couple of wrinkles up his sleeve, mm-hmm. coaching against Spolstra. I think this will be an entertaining series. I don't think Philadelphia will win, but I'm yeah. just, I want to see Maxi ball out. And I, I just, I need, I need 10, 12 free throw a game, James Harden. I want to see, I, I think he's got a little bit left. I'm fascinated by that series. Don't Gary, hold your breath, but I, Gary, I'm excited for you. <laughs> he might, he might get 10, 12 free throws in the series. Maybe. In a game? Hell no. And of course he, he appreciates the game. You know why he appreciates the game? Because the game allows him to do all the non-game material and right. entertainment that he is. I would appreciate the game too. If you're gonna pay me 30, 40, 50 million, and damn right, I'm gonna appreciate the game. <laughs> James, I can't trust James, Gary. That's my issue. And I wanna trust him. I wanna trust him because he's incredibly talented. Incredibly talented. But he's at a point in his career where you can legitimately question whether he still has it. In him, you can legitimately question whether Father Time has is started to catch up with him in a bad way. Because remember, for a, there was a block of his career where he had a patented go-to move that the NBA essentially said, "No, no, no, we're not doing that no more." So he has literally had to modify his game on the fly, and I don't, and I, I just don't think he's done that nearly as well, as certainly as he would hope, but certainly as as well as people thought he would. I can't trust that dude because he. He's shown himself to be untrustworthy time and time again. And of all of and Gary, of all the places in the NBA landscape where he his the level of distrust is at its apex, it's freaking South Beach. 
This is like the worst place, the worst place where you gotta play the where you gotta play the trust game with James. Or the best place because he. I just want to see if he's got it. I don't think I don't know if he's gonna come through or not. I don't know. I'm just fascinated to see. I want to see them push the Heat. I think this is like a social experiment for you. Yes, I think the Heat's a good team, but they played it and they really did well against Trey. They play really held him down, but Atlanta just wasn't quite right. They're getting the shorthanded Philly. Like I, I just want to see Miami challenge before they coast to the NBA Finals. And, and, and to me, to prove themselves. I want them to be challenged. I want to see a good series. It would have been an entertaining series with Embiid. Let's hope he gets back for right. Game Three or Four. But Maxie's still a baller, yeah. you know, and Harden's still a baller. They still got players. Tobias Harris. It's his. It's his time. Okay, Tobias, yeah. you want to be an A one guy? Step up. Harden, saying this, it's been the time for like about three, four years. Harden, you want to do your thing? If you want to be the man, step up. You know, Maxi, he's already stepped up. Mm-hmm. Harden going to step out. Hard. Step out of <laughs> South Beach. You work hard, you play hard. <laughs> or you just work and play hard, you know? Or just play hard. Or you don't just work. play hard. Yeah. Well, I think that does it for this episode of the A-List podcast. This was fun. Hopefully, when we come back, we'll talk a little more highly of the Celtics after games two and three, I think, at that point. So there we go. Once again, shout out to betonline.ag. If you haven't signed up already, use that promo code CLNS50 for Aisha Rod Blakely and Gary Washburn. I'm Kwani A. Lunas. We'll be back next week with the A-List podcast.